gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Happy to be with you here for the next 60 minutes as we discuss UFC 274, Bellator 280, and I guess, yeah, PFL took place on Friday. We've been so used to this Wednesday show. It was, excuse me, a Friday show. It's week three of 2022, so we'll go over those results as well. Now, I can't lie to you, you know, the UFC is the NFL of the sport. We're going to spend a lot of time on it, and I'm sure you all want to, because even though there was a lot of decisions, even though there was a, col- even though there was a colossal dud of a title fight, boy, were the- was there some great action. I was going over some fights today, um, just like really two memorable fights uh, that we need to discuss, the epic KO of Michael Chandler over Tony Ferguson. And then that, that that title fight, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gagey. I mean, these guys hit the pedal to the metal. It was something else. All right. Happy to be with you, Junkie Nation. And uh, let's get to it. So I did mention it is a Sunday night, not too late to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Uh, I guess if you're on the Pacific time zone, the mountain time zone, and even the the uh, central time zone, technically, if you were to get this right away, it's still Mother's Day. Uh, and I hope you all had a, a splendid day. I, I left this message to um, somebody today. You know, I, I just can't think of more special human beings on this planet than mothers fathers are just behind just behind it's like a 4240 and a 421 but something about mamas man they carried us for crying out loud anyway all right uh goes we got to start at ufc 274 right we can't keep the the natives waiting i first want to disagree with you in the order of what you just did sure i agree mothers in first place but grandmothers come in second place. Then after them, the pops. Grandmothers are just this special type of breed. I don't know how to describe them. But yeah, they, they get the second place, and then you get to the dads. Yeah, I would agree with that. We had a we only got to meet one of our grandmothers, and she was pretty damn awesome. You know, she mm-hmm. was the head of, of a family of with 10 kids and then they took in a lot of other kids as well so she's got a lot of grandkids a lot of great grandkids and uh, she's no longer with us but she's definitely not forgotten man um miss her every day all right so ufc 274 took place in phoenix arizona and look it was a strong ending because two of the last three fights were epic but there was one dud in there so you know what you gave it a c plus yesterday goes during our watch along just real quick what kind of a grade would you give it now the main card right no the whole thing the whole the whole card b minus c plus right around that that range yeah 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 i think it's hard for me to say the letter c so i'm just going to stick with my b minus maybe just the b just because Gagey and and uh, Oliveira was epic. You know what really lifted my mood goes? I watched the post-fight press conference on MMA Junkies YouTube, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. And it really lifted my spirits when they asked him, when they asked Dana White, the UFC president, if Oliveira was going to get pay-per-view points, and he said he was. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem too disgusted with the fact that there wasn't an official title fight per se with like a title defense they asked him what were you thinking as all this was unfolding and he you know you could just tell there was frustration and the man's pretty exhausted uh uh by the time he gets to the press conference and that's why lately there's just not much he wants to say you know he'll throw out there i don't make fights on fight night and um 
here are the bonuses and you know a lot of times you can't even hear the questions because of that Meniere's disease by the time they repeat it he might just throw us you know there's these softball questions he kind of throws softball answers as well we'll see how this thing plays out as one of his favorite that way he's not kind of committed to anything and uh he likes them to stick to the script which is usually what happened that night not hey what about Hamzat and Nate you know like I don't know you know like, like we got we got to get back to our war room on Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. But he did say that, and I was like, thank you. That's that's good because that kid came out and fought goes. We'll start with the main event. Charles Oliveira defeated Justin Gaethje, submitted him in the first round of their title fight, and he came out goes. Uh, I, I thought it was going to affect him. Uh, and look, to be fair, Gaethje knocked him down a couple times, you know, so, so it's not like he ran through Gaethje, but he took all of that, everything that happened on fight week, the weight cut issues, drama, whatever, and still came out and defended his title. And he looked good, goes. He looked, I mean, when he transitions from kickboxer to Muay Thai fighter in the clinch to boxer and just throwing hands to flying knee guy, like, um, you know, and then slick jujitsu guy, like, it's amazing how s smooth he makes it look. Uh, it's it's he's actually one of the best to have ever done it in that regard, and and be so good at all of them. You know, I I think it did affect him. It just affected him in a positive way. I think he took all that frustration of everything that happened on Justin Gaethje. Now, it was a great performance. I don't know that we can say it was uh, the smartest of game plans to go out there and do that with a guy like Justin Gaethje, but it worked. So you can't really argue it too much, you know. Um, you can't have a, a, a big shelf life in this sport if, if you're going to fight every fight like that. But, boy, is it scary to know that wherever you are in that fight with Charles Oliveira, he can hurt you. He can put a hurting on you. I mean, that's Justin Gaethje for crying out loud. You know, we already know once he gets a hold of you, he's thinking four steps ahead. That alone is terrifying. But just seeing him work in the clinch, uh, some of the strikes that, that he landed, he's, he's no, he moves his head a little bit more now. Um, the kid is just getting better. It's amazing. It's, you really have to give your hats off to him. He's only 32 years of age, and he has 19 finishes. Uh, he wants to go for his 20th finish, obviously. He's going to probably get to that. I mean, I don't see him knocking on the door of retirement. But the only other ones that are up there with him in terms of finishes are like Cerrone, Miller, I think Anderson Silva was another name out I saw out there. And think about the longevity they had in their careers. These are just finishes, not wins, finishes. Um, he he may make that record pretty untouchable. Uh, you know, if he keeps going the way he's going. And let me tell you something. You know that whole what's he going to be like in championship rounds these are things that came out of my pie hole too i'm not coming at anybody these are things i heard and things i said what's he going to be like in the championship rounds what if gagey drags him into deep waters is he going to have that championship heart you know can he dig deep dude he does all that within one round like seriously i'm wondering if the strategy might be to to just and it's tough to say because if you don't take it to Oliveira, he's going to take it to you he really likes to you know, it's like a drag race. Uh, some chick, some hot chick stands in front of him and just gives the signal, go, you know, and both cars take off. I don't think Gagey wanted that kind of a pace, honestly. I think Gagey wanted to maybe slow things down, work those kicks. He kicked them a couple times pretty hard, you know, and then throw some hands. He had some great left hooks, did Gagey. But Oliveira just keeps coming and coming and coming. And I don't know if he's got five rounds in him at that speed. But I'll tell you what, it almost doesn't matter because no one can deal with his his activity, that, you know, from, from start to finish of these last few fights. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're just engaging, waking up today really, really sucks. Not just because he lost his opportunity, what could possibly be the last time maybe he sees that opportunity. It's because a lot of things actually went his way in that fight when you think about it. Charles Oliveira stood there with him. He struck with him. That's what Justin Gagey want, wanted. Justin Gagey probably landed his best punch, and it wasn't enough. So if you're Justin Gagey right now, you're feeling bummed because of what happened, but you're also kind of questioning what it is you have to bring here. Um, is it Charles Oliveira is just that great? Was it an off night? 
I can't say it's an off night for Justin Gagey. A lot of things went his way. I think Charles Oliveira is just that great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had some frustrations the last few weeks because of this body triangle, and I'm wondering, is it worth doing it because you're so comfortable there? Yeah, you secure the round, but you're not really getting the 10-8. Um, you're not really getting the finish because a lot of people are so good at defending it. What does Oliveira do that he doesn't even need to put a body triangle? I mean, he just goes after your neck and snatches it. He threatened with, like, what it looked like he was going to lay back for an arm bar, but then, you know... Gaethje had uh you know some defense to that, but he he just was relentless. What the one thing Oliveira doesn't do goes is hesitate, and I've heard this from a lot of gamblers, the ones that are looking to pounce on live betting, is what you you know you're watching to see fighters that by hesitating you had this little split second of a window to stand up and change the course of the fight, but instead you're laying on your back and then somebody comes. He's down between your guard again and starts attacking with elbows and punches and this and that. And then you think, oh, man, you fool. Now you got another two minutes of getting bombs landed on you when you could have stood up. Granted, there's a split second there where you might take a chance and get hit, but you got to do it. You know, when you see these openings, you got to do it. And that's what Oliveira does. He sees these openings. He gets hit. Okay. He gathers. He composes himself. But he's coming right back at you. Man, he even looked like a hockey goon goes. He kept doing this collar tie on Gagey where he would grab the back of his head and he either had the options to throw knees, which he did, or throw uppercuts, which he did. It was amazing. He's just as fast as Oliveira talks is how he fights. Mm-hmm. You got to you gotta sit back and think, all right, well, what's, what's out there left for him, right? Because Habib is gone, and there's no nothing that indicates he would come back. Um, one of the guys that he called out, Conor McGregor, if you're the if you're the UFC, that's probably the last dude on earth you would want to put him up against, right? Um, at least with with Camaro, you know, there's a little bit of a striking chance, but with, with Charles, like Charles, if he wants to get the hold of him, that's the at the end game there. So, dude, this guy, I want to say that night, I don't know what our levels are anymore. I always forget George, superstar, mega star, whatever. He really took another step forward. Yeah, right at the end of the call, when he submitted Gagey, Daniel Cormier summed it best, and he just said, this guy, this guy is something special, and he really is. He's an exciting fighter who's taken out now some top cats like Justin Gagey, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. Um, Four of those five were finished, and some have been submissions some have been tko all the fights have been pretty exciting he really is a star man he's something else i wish he knew just a little bit even just khabib level english you know just a couple token lines this is number one bullshit send location you know like that type of stuff just a yeah. couple little clever things that he can possibly say that i think would resonate but you know that's just me nitpicking now at this point because what we have here is an outstanding athlete athlete slash fighter entertainer who's just kicking on all cylinders Mm -hmm. he's a star man i can't wait and and he's one of the guys where you no longer really need that other side where you're going well who's he fighting to be interested you just want to see him now now the only thing i can nitpick with justin gagey he did get some leg kicks in he did get some great left hooks some big right hands um could there have been some times where when they were separated he just kind of like relaxed a bit, um, maybe tried to slow things down a little. Um, that's all I can think of. But like I said, if you do that, he's coming right at you. But either way, I still feel like over five rounds, I think Gagey could be a, the better conditioned fighter. Although who am I to, who am I to say? Because I've yet to see Oliveira do that. But I have seen Oliveira kind of tire and and break in his younger days in other fights that were only three rounds. So this is me just speculating. But one thing I can say is there were times when Oliveira was hurt and Gagey wanted no part of him on the ground. I get it. Had he gone to the ground and he gets submitted, which he got submitted anyway, we'd all be going, you big dummy, what were you doing? You had a hurt fighter. Why didn't you just tell him to get up and, you know, go after the day's fighter, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I remember Gilbert Melendez had no problem going into Aoki's guard. I remember, I believe, King Mo and Roger Gracie's guard. Like, 
you know, there has to be some sort of a level of confidence, you know, where even though you're facing kind of like an all-time great at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're still also not scared to go after them in certain positions. Like, I wouldn't tell that guy, hey, take my back. Let's let's do that. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Or mount me, and then let's see if I can get out of it. No, you're hurt and fucked up. Maybe I should go in your guard and see what I can do to follow up with some elbows and punches or whatever. See how that goes. Um, You know, and I might be grasping at straws here because, again, I could probably see myself saying, what were you doing if he went in there and then Charles Oliveira were to were to were to do something, you know that that to, that winds up submitting him. I, I'd probably be that because most fans are that way. We all just react and criticize and or whatever. Um, Benavidez against Miguel Torres is another guy, you know, that he went after him on the ground, and I remember he opened him up with a big elbow. And so you have to have, I guess, at this level, some degree of confidence, especially when it happened the second time. The second time, it almost looked like Oliveira. Could, I still haven't caught the right angle. Almost like he just lost his footing or he was still dazed from a shot that grazed him that he actually fell back on his own. So I, I think that happened both times. I, I, that was a little confusing for me because it was a little bit of a delayed reaction. Mm-hmm. But honestly, what I think happened was he probably was a little dazed, but just figured, yeah, hey, I'll just fall back. And if this guy wants to come down with me, we'll do it down here. And if not, you know, I'll just take my time getting up. So I don't know if Justin picked up on it or what. But I would say at least one of the two times, maybe you do take that risk and, and you go after him. Yeah, it could be that this fight happened so early. He was still thinking, man, it's the first. We're not sweaty enough. You know, this guy's going to be at his best. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting him. Let me let him get up and let's see if I can hurt him again. Could be again. We're, we're Monday morning quarterbacks, Sunday, Sunday evening quarterbacks in this case. Um, but. Gagey, uh, classy in defeat. You know, he already posted congrats to Charles. There was really nothing he could dispute. There wasn't even really like uh, some sort of a, an eye poke or a cup check or nothing like that where you just point to. It was just really, really a great title fight. Congrats to Charles Oliveira. It's sad that it's not considered a title fence, the title defense. It's great that he does get um, the pay-per-view points. It sucks that he didn't get a performance bonus um that's a whole other conversation you know if you if you don't mind let's i guess maybe touch on it and then we'll go to the coming event what did you think man um there was a weigh-in of a fighter that came in at 156 dropped his drawers immediately they said okay 155 and a half you get one hour to lose a half pound. He comes back in an hour. He didn't lose nothing. Like, that don't make sense. Plus, the fighter said he was on weight the night before, or at least his team did. And then the morning of, he said he's on weight. So why is he the last guy to weigh in instead of the first guy to weigh in? That don't make sense. Um, And then lastly, why didn't the commissioner in Arizona just fucking give him the 155, man? Like, seriously, you're, you're going to nitpick over that? Like, I, I still... I still uh, can't believe that one, man. You know, you put it there, you move it around, boom, send it, let's go. It's a fight, like, close enough. There's no advantage or disadvantage or anything like that. There's nothing, like, there's nothing digital where the fighter's just standing there and it's, like, on some sort of a big screen. This is something that we can just, kind of like the cop that pulls you over and goes, hey, bro, you know, I caught you going 50 and a 45, but. In the end, I, I can see that you're pretty responsible. Maybe for a moment you had a lapse. Get out of here. You know what I mean? He makes some sort of a, a decision at that time that is in the best interest of probably both parties. Like, I really mm-hmm. feel like the commissioner could have done what what, what the what the guy did in Abu Dhabi for Habib when Habib, <laughs> Habib weighed in and then he prayed to Allah. Thank God. Um, you know, something along that, those lines. Yeah, you know, that's such a weird situation because of everything so you remember charles Oliveira wasn't the only person that complained about the scale this right. all started the night before right so with all that being said obviously i'm, I'm probably never going to stand on the side of hey commissioner just fudge it because then we could do that for everything and that could be kind of nasty however if there's ever a time to do it and you know what happened the night before maybe you do do it then 
Charles Oliveira not losing half a pound to me is kind of odd for a couple reasons. I've heard of this before. I've heard of fighters just say nothing is coming off. In fact, there's been a few fighters that go away and come back heavier for some reason. All right. But the one thing that those fighters have in common is they all look sucked out. They're drawn in, right? Like they just look horrible. People are carrying them to the scale. That wasn't Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira didn't look like that. So I'm curious if in that one hour he spent his time politicking, trying to make a case as to why this is dumb, mm-hmm. or if he actually tried to lose the weight. I think I think it's the latter. I, I, honestly, I really think he looked like a guy that could lose half a pound. You know, even yeah. if you have to shave your head, you get that big old blonde head. Do that. You know, sometimes that, that can do it. Shave your legs. Do whatever you got to do. Fart as much as you can. Burp. Do whatever you got to do. But I feel like he could have lost that half pound. So to me, that's super, super odd. Uh, but, I mean, this is just such a shitty, shitty experience. And it creates such chaos moving forward now. Yeah, now he's the number one contender. I mean, when he jumped out of the octagon and he talked to Dana White, Dana White didn't look like he was pissed at him. I think Dana White knows there was a situation there. And what I'm wondering is, could the UFC have stepped over the commission? I don't know, because long term, could that be looked at as uh like a tamper that you don't want to associate yourself with you know what i mean um you that dana white's always said hey once they weigh in i turn them over to the commission like i can't control anything you know because you don't want the you don't want anyone ever thinking that the promoter is the one that really like calls the shots kind of a at that point Who's to stop anyone from going, hey, I thought I saw Dana wink, Dana White wink at one of the judges. That's why that guy got a split decision. No, 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 no. You want separation from the commission handling the show and then the promoter who obviously, I would imagine, a lot of these fights on the main card, Dana's sitting there going, you know, I'd rather have this guy or gal win just because he's already forward thinking. You know, it's his business or whatever. But anyway, um this is something that I hope just gets investigated. I'd love to see a 30 for 30 for this. If there's any backstage footage of what really happened, how this guy didn't lose the half pound is amazing to me. And that hall monitor of a commission official, man, you are a jackass. Um, you, you come back. Who the hell would have questioned you flicking that little weight over like Charles steps and, and you put it in a certain spot, and you flick it over, and you go, he's in. Who would have questioned you? Who would have said, oh, yeah, right. This guy who wasn't sucked out, left for an hour, and he came back, and he was the same way. Yeah, you know, who would have questioned it? No one would have questioned that, man. This is so dumb. Dumbest thing ever. Should be a title for defense for the poor guy. Um, he should have got a, a bonus as well, you know, add to that record. Um, I was kind of bummed that. Like Anderson Silva never got credit for that title defense against Travis Luter. Chael Sonnen didn't get the benefit of of fighting for a vacant title when Paulo Filho, I guess, should have given it up, you know, over in the WEC days. Then he would have that major belt, the WEC middleweight belt back in the day. Anyway, um, one half of the vacant title will be contested by Charles Oliveira. They openly said that before and after the fight. Who do you think should be the other party? Um, there's Islam Makashev, there's Benil Dariush, there's even Michael Chandler threw his name into that. There's the old dog Conor McGregor, who's a crazy wild card. But who do you think it will be by the time Oliveira fights? What are we in May? I would say he probably fights in New York in November. Okay, so I may or may not have spoken to some of these parties. And so uh, I have a feeling it's going to be Islam Makachev. I think that's who they're going to roll with. Um, yeah, I just can't say why, but I, yeah. Well, Dana White said that Joe Rogan pulled him aside and said something. I don't know that Dana White revealed it because I was watching, although I think most of us think what he told him was you got to put him in there against Makachev. I'm not a fan of that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Makachev doesn't really have a top five win. And I think that's what Benil Darius was going to establish was this is your top five guy. And at the same time, these fighters chirp a lot behind the scenes 
And then when they get called on it, remember he was supposed to um, slip in and fight. He was supposed to slip in and fight someone because he said he would fight on, on short notice. Makashev did. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't. It seemed like the UFC kind of punished him a little bit and said, oh, yeah, well, then guess what? Now you're going to have to fight somebody instead of getting that next title shot. Um, so I, I kind of... I kind of was digging that because I think it sends a message to everyone else. Stop fucking around with putting these social messages of what you can do or what you're willing to do or whatever. I mean, I, I, I like it to a certain extent, but who knows? Um, I suppose if, if you were to just tell me, Hey man, who's the most qualified? He does have the longest streak. Makashev does. So it could be that he deserves it on that merit. However, on the merit of who's fought the bigger names and for a longer time, I might go with Dariush. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's really, really says, how about me? But he just had his shot and Chandler just had his shot. I can't do that to them too quickly, but Chandler did pop hard, you know? So, um, and the first fight did not suck. He competed. So I could live with that one, but I think you got to go Makashev, Dariush, Chandler based off performance, um, based off rankings and and the, the top wins that make you a contender. Then you go Dariush, probably then Makashev, then Chandler. Yeah, a lot, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how soon does Charles Oliveira want to get back in there. I think that's the first thing, right? Um, You see the schedule is already starting to move towards August, September. So, yeah, you got to figure out when because, uh, obviously, Benil Darius was injured. So we need to figure out where is he at and coming back from that injury. And like you said, if I'm the UFC, I feel like Benil Darius is probably more in the good graces of the UFC than Islam Makachev right now. But uh, I just don't know who the bigger name is. Michael Chandler kind of did a lot of the work for you, a lot of the legwork and the fans. How many times does Daniel White talk about, well, we just want the fans to be happy? Well, fuck, they sounded like they'd be happy if Michael Chandler had that fight again. I just don't know that uh, that makes too much sense. I believe in Conor McGregor being a unicorn, and so he is going to always get ushered to the front of the line. But when Dana White didn't give it to him back when the whole thing was happening with Habib, and Dana, and so then he had to go off and fight Dustin Poirier. Remember, the whole thing started over the 500000 donation and everything. That told me, hey, as great as Conor McGregor is, as popular as he is, once you have a few losses, come on. We just need one win from you, bro. Just give us one win, and boom, we'll throw you into a title shot. That's where I think Conor sits right now. I just don't see that coming off two losses in a row to Poirier where he deserves to fight Kamaru Usman or Charles Oliveira. But of the two, I think it makes more sense to fight Charles Oliveira than uh, Kamaru Usman just because he was a champion in that division. Um, I think he has a better chance against Oliveira than he does against Usman. Although, really, in reality, I don't think he has much of a chance against either one. But remember, Gagey did knock down Oliveira, and Conor McGregor's got that type of power. So... Don't you know. forget, though, uh, Camaro's schedule kind of opened up a little bit, right, with Canelo losing. Now we don't have to hear about that shit, hopefully, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Yeah. What do you lose? 115, 113, I think, on all three judges. You basically just got outboxed. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, listen. Um, McGregor's warm to fight Chandler. And I guess you're right. The extent of Benny's leg who knows it might be makashev versus Oliveira, and that's that you know and then, then then that i don't know what happens to poyer at that point i imagine poyer versus nate or is the ufc just hell-bent on nate versus connor no matter what uh you know i don't know um salute though to charles Oliveira and justin gagey will gagey be back probably because again he competed in the fight that he lost it just all happened so fast, man. It was incredible. All right, in the Coleman event. Holy cow. Uh, probably the worst title fight I've ever seen, honestly. 
uh, even worse than Izzy versus Yo Romero. It was just a huge lack of activity. Keith No Nonsense Peterson, I thought, should have stepped in, warned him at least. And look, at the end of the first, he probably should have said something. But let's say because he doesn't have much experience in title fights, he doesn't. In the second round, when it was starting to unfold the same way, I think 90 seconds in, I would have said something, you know, based off timidity. And uh, it would have, it would, I think, given those fighters a moment of pause to understand just how bad it is, it would have gotten the crowd to chill out a little bit and back off, knowing that at least they've been warned. But, like, I, I think he's a little bit to blame for this. Um, but most of it lay, lays with the with the fighters themselves. And I think, in my opinion, most of it lays with with um, Rose Namajunas. Because both had a lot to lose. But Carla was 1-0. And if she came out of that 1-1, got married, her face is fine. You know, she's going to look good in her wedding pictures. And then somehow they revisit part three down the road. I You know, who knows? If they do, who knows? I thought Rose definitely. You always have more to lose as the champ because, um, you're number one. The pay per view points that you always get. That, that's when you get those tremendous paydays. Way better than when you're not champion. Um, and for her to look back and go, "Holy cow!" Of the 25 minutes, I think we stood for like 23, maybe even 24. She got up quickly from some of those takedowns. So. What more does she want? I think if you're in Rose Namajunas' war room before fight night, and you're thinking of everything that could possibly go down, you're probably thinking, all right, we already lost once to Carla, but it was so long ago, and you've been such a dominant champ that more than likely they would give you, if you lost this fight, another shot. And then I think somebody would probably... You'd probably hear the faint voice of somebody going, unless it was so terrible, then there's no way they would do it. Well, that actually happened. It was so awful that they, I don't I don't think that's anything they can entertain for a very, very long time, um, especially when you think about the bodies in that division. I don't know how the UFC is going to react to this. Who You saw Dana White's face in the cage. Um, obviously, he wasn't happy, but I don't know if he's really – pointing the finger at one or the other. I'm with you. If you're going to point the finger at someone, I think you pointed at Rose Namajunas because 95% of the fight took place where she would be most comfortable and be yeah. able to implement her game plan. So um, if you're going to point the finger, I think you pointed at her. Now, if you look at her career, how many of these has she delivered? Not very many, right? So I don't think this is something that we're going to have to get used to. Um, we've seen a lot of the champions kind of go through something like this. Anderson Silva is another one that comes to mind. Uh, even Francis Ngannou's kind of had his shitty fight. That's crazy to say with the way he fights, but yeah, that's actually happened. But there's just something about this fight. Even when it started, when it started and they both took their places, you could have driven two Ram trucks in between them and wouldn't hit anybody. There was that much space in between them. Uh, I think Keith Peterson should have gotten in there a little bit more and said something, you know, get, given, letting them know timidity, something's going to happen, but you guys just can't be doing this, can't be dancing around like this. It was West, West Side Story out there. And, you know, goes, I'm thinking back to Anderson versus Damian Maya. It's probably worth another watch. But I believe that when the fight was unfolding, what we could see was that Anderson was at least winning rounds. Bro, I didn't know who was winning these rounds. They stunk so bad that uh, you know like i was like well there was a leg kick and i think there was a a jab does that offset the takedown which she got up from pretty quick but she maybe received an elbow like there was such little intel being fed to me that throwing up the 10-9 like dude i i abhor 10-10s i'm like for five minutes you couldn't tell who was the better fighter you got to give someone the 10 versus the nine that's the first time i actually i think posted a 10-10 on social media in the first round. It was so bad that I thought, okay, I guess if there's a, if, if there's a 10, 10 in the rule books, that was it. Joe Rogan said something in the fifth. He said, you know, we're looking at a fight that conceivably Carla Sparza could be up 
10-9 all four rounds and I, I you know Cormier and Anik reacted to it or whatever. The reason I bring that up is because Trevor Whitman in between rounds four and five told her, hey, now it's just time to go out and have fun. You know, like there wasn't this urgency. This is where I feel like he let her down too. And so did Pat. So did Keith. Keith let the fans and the fight down, both fighters down. But in terms of just Rose, there has to be this moment where you tell them you got to convincingly win this round because it could be 2-2, but I want you to still go for the finish based off of when she's gotten you down, you've gotten right back up, so let them fucking hands go for crying out loud. You could be down. Uh, you could be down in this fight. You don't have to, like, bury her and go, you're down 4 nothing. You don't have to say that. Although on one judge's scorecard, she was down 4 nothing. The other ones were 10-9, 10-9, You know, so the other ones were split. And uh, so you don't have to go, you're getting crushed. But you can't say, you may be down on the scorecards. I want you to go for the finish because this means a lot to us. This means a lot to you. And you point to their heart. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I want you to go after. You, we're banking this round for sure. But you know what? We're going out there for the finish. And you remind her because every single time she's taking you down, you pop back up. She's got nothing for you in that department. Go out there and let them hands go. Knock her out just like you have Joanna and some of these other gals. Let's fucking go. You know what I mean? And instead, he's telling her to go out there and have fun. Does it ever look to you like Rose has fun during her fights? She really doesn't. Honestly, she doesn't have fun, fun during the post-fight press conference. She doesn't have fun during the walkout. She just keeps talking to herself and saying, I am the best during the introductions. I can't remember if she fist bumps Bruce Buffer or not. There's no smile. She's just full concentration. It only looks fun when she finally wins and Rogan's there. And then she goes, yeah, dog, what's up? I am the best, blah, blah, blah. But other than that, she ain't really having fun. So you know what? Operate. Go to work. It's a job. It's your job. Go to work. You're a businesswoman. Conduct business. Do something. But holy cow, goes like this is 29 years into this into this sport. We should not be watching a fight like that. You know what? I I, I honestly would have told her, look, this girl's getting married in one week. Pump that jab in her nose and make her feel it. Make all them thoughts go through her head. And be relentless with it. If you're yeah. not, if you're not going to throw the your your right hand, if you're not going to throw any kicks, at the very minimum, pump that jab in her nose and make her uncomfortable. Do something though, because uh, yeah, those rounds by no stretch. Carla won the fight, but we weren't saying it's a landslide for Carla. Literally, maybe one, two strikes could have flipped it the other way, right. right? But they weren't. They weren't really relaying that message. Now. That's not us, the media, being critical. Fighters have been saying the same shit. I mean, it, it, to me, it was just something that uh, it was a misplayed hand. And I, I really hope they don't get offended over all this. I hope they go back, they watch it, and I hope they can maybe take some of the brunt of that. Yeah, they should. Otherwise, they're not real humans. I mean, honestly, at that point, where are you from? You know, like when they say that anyone in the world can can watch a fight and interpret the rules you know you don't have to worry about was it a strike was it a ball um wait a minute if if a foul ball is a strike and he just fouled it off how come he didn't strike out oh cuz you can't strike out on a on a foul ball unless the catcher were to catch oh you know there's not all these little intricacies you know of third down and fourth down don't they usually punt why is he going for it you don't have to explain on it it's basically just five rounds these are the minutes this person's trying to beat the other person up. You can't do this. You know, don't poke in the eye, stuff like that. But you can kind of relay someone the rules like in 30 seconds for the most part. And these are veterans. These aren't, this wasn't like an LFA show or nothing like that. They have zero excuse. They cannot be mad at the criticism that's coming their way um, because the fight stunk. If they were at home watching this fight and they were frequent Twitterers, I bet you they would say something like that, like yawn or come on, girls, pick it up, anything. In fact, Trevor Whitman, I want to go back to this guy. This guy's, a, a, I think, the defending coach of the year uh, for 2021. Yeah, because Eric and and the, the guy from the, the cartel, Tyson, were the 2020 co-coaches of the year. But 2021, it was Trevor Whitman. 
he's definitely one of the top coaches out there. Everyone raves about him. I think he's great too. You can't argue with his results. But the reason I'm leaning into him is he's also had this role as an analyst. You know how Dean Thomas will kind of chime mm -hmm. in a little bit and just talk about maybe from a coach's angle or an observer's angle, what's unfolding, what could happen, what each fighter should be doing or shouldn't be doing. I guarantee you goes, if Trevor was in that seat and they go, let's go to Trevor Whitman after three rounds or four rounds of watching fighter A and fighter B do absolutely nothing. What do you think? You're going to tell me he would say, well, they're playing chess. There's a strategy. No, hell no, man. He would probably say something. He's pretty polite. He's pretty respectful. But I know something along the lines of they got to pick it up. Come on. Like, this is a title fight. Uh, this, th this, this fight is not definitely not playing out like either team wanted to, but he would be critical of it. So he's got to take some of that criticism, too. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it's definitely I think it's fair. And uh, I just hope we never, ever see anything like that again. Yeah, I agree. All right, now let's go to another fight that'll definitely make us smile. Uh, just like Gagey versus Oliveira, unlike Nama Yunus and Esparza. Uh, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Boy, I almost had to eat a lot of crow because Tony Ferguson knocked him down. I think it was with a jab, too. It was a one-two, but the jab is actually what, what put him down. And I was like, holy cow. Because I had heard a lot of people say, hey, after that war with Gaethje and the other wars is Michael Chandler maybe a little chinny and I was like well I don't think that I've really seen that I mean he's in these wars and so you're gonna get hit you're gonna go down but I haven't seen him really really like rocked over and over and over like like how eventually Alistair Overeem came became or Chuck Liddell or whoever but as that happened I was like holy crap I wonder if others saw something that I missed and Tony Ferguson was fighting pretty good. Goes a lot better than the last couple fights. He still has those little awkward stance, but he was throwing some hands. He was moving his head. He was landing some punches. And I thought he might get his hand raised. You know, he went after Chandler pretty good. A couple times he heard him. Um, and then the round ends. They both, I think Chandler, it ended with Chandler on top. I think Ferguson said something about, hey, watch him because every time he's coming down, my, his head's hitting my head. Then Chandler landed some elbows. Then I think el uh, elbows from the bottom. One maybe up opened up Chandler. He was leaking a little. So I was really pleased with the first round with both guys, both hiding at fighting at high levels, earning their money, maybe even more. Then they go back to their corners. I was okay with what they were telling Tony. They were telling him to focus on your footwork, you know, uh, move your feet along with in, in sync with what you're trying to do with his hands. I don't know word for word, but it seemed like he was getting pretty good advice. And just as I was clapping my hands together, I mean, it, right away it ended in the second round, man, with that front kick. Holy cow. Dana White says it's the most violent KO he's ever seen. And the KO was beautiful, but it was like two things. The KO was beautiful but it was the way Tony folded and then just went boom straight into the ground. Um, it's right up there. Probably, you know, I don't have, I don't remember all these things, but if you bring them up, I'll nod my head, but yeah, it's, it's definitely up there and it may be one of the worst for sure because of those two things, the kick itself and him going head first. And then when they folded him over or turned him over and he had this, this look it was really scary for me like i was like oh man that that's that's not good you know but i was relieved well, to see him sitting on the stool barbosa adam comes to mind and Nganu and uh overeem those uh <laughs> oh, yeah. i don't know sure. that you can top Nganu overeem just because that looked like something out of a, a video game or something uh but yeah there was something about it i think you're right maybe just the way his, his body fell um it was pretty nasty. It was pretty vicious. Yeah, because you know what it looked like was like the life came out of him, and all he was was skin and bones. Like there was no mm -hmm. muscle to fold him. He just like folded, like like a tent, like an accordion, whatever. I'm not trying to bag on the guy. Tony came out and impressed the hell out of me. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying I'm trying to describe my best as to why it looked that way. It was just the way he just boom, you know, like completely the life was taken out of him. 
And so that's why he fell the way he did. Shout out to Kevin Lee against Gregor Gillespie. That was another pretty violent one, too. But, yeah, this one was just different in that regard. And guess what, goes? I watched it over a few times. When Tony was standing there with no – with uh, it wasn't no nonsense. I think it was Herzog. Um, he still – as he was standing there, it still looked like he was out of it. I would have left him on the stool. He didn't either need to be there for the – the presentation of, of, of the, the winner of the fight, you know, by Bruce Buffer. I, I love traditions like that when both fighters can make it. But this guy did not need to be there. He was just standing there. He had this glazed look at him. Uh, I don't even think he knew where he was at that moment. And then even when Chandler came over to kind of give him a hug, Tony just kind of just stood there. And I guess I want to continue using the same word, like lifeless. Like, I don't know, even know he, if he knew, was understanding what, what was going on. Uh, my heart broke for him in that regard. The memes are already out, the jokes, the cartoons. But, uh, man, leave him on that stool and just get him out of there. Put a towel over his head and just get him out of there. I wish some of these teams would look out for their fighters in, in a different way. Yeah, you know, Frankie Edgar and uh, Corey Sanhagen was pretty Oof. brutal, too. Yeah. So, another I mean, one, man. You know, we kind of focus on on what happens lately. But it's definitely up there. It really is. And and when you tie in kind of the aftermath as well, that, that has something to play with it too. You're right. You just had this kind of glazed look on his face. Um, these days coming up here are going to tell a lot. You know, I know he went to the hospital. He got checked out and all that. But look at our good friend Dan Tom, right? Like for how many years has he had to deal with sometimes light sensitivity, stuff like mm-hmm. that? Grant got brought up in a conversation the other day. DJ Grant, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so you never know. You never know what, what the lasting effects of all this are going to be. But uh, my heart does go out to Tony Ferguson on this one. No, that was a bad one. Yeah. And from the other side of it, it was obviously one of the most beautiful KOs ever as well by a guy that, you know, you, you kind of associate more of those front kicks with the guys that have length and height. Like a Randy Brown, if you would have told me, who we caught Chaos Williams with a front kick, that's easy to believe. But Chandler's kind of more stocky, you know? He's got shorter legs. Mm-hmm. Really, really jacked, by the way. I think Chandler's even more jacked than he was. Um, but he nailed him, man. He nailed him. He says they don't even practice it that much. But he fucking nailed him, dude. Wow. I mean, an epic KO. And then he collects himself and gives one of the best post-fight speeches you know, first he answered Joe Rogan's questions, and then he just transitioned into whatever you want to call it, a promo or whatever you want to call a call out. And he came after, he said, Gagey or Oliveira, whoever wins the main event, let's do this. So he left himself that window. Audience was popping. And then, of course, he said, and if Hunter and Dana have this momentary lapse of judgment, Conor McGregor, kind of where are you at? Uh, Conor even responded to him, you know, and he said, let's do it. I'll even open the door. Let's do it at 170. I want you at your biggest, at your strongest. Everybody's seen Connor's been lifting. And, you know, and then he, his little token phrase, see you at the top. Uh, it was perfectly executed. And I know people had asked him about it. And he said, yeah, he goes, that's, I stayed up till 1 a.m. kind of thinking about it, probably going over it. And that's why I always tell people, you kind of have to work at that, too. You know, you don't, a lot of people are just natural where they can talk at any moment. But a lot of people aren't, but it doesn't mean you can't work at it. And you could tell he worked at it. He covered his bases, and it landed, dude. I can only imagine how many followers he's gained and how much people are going to be talking about him tomorrow at the water cooler. Yeah, he he hit everything. You know, I don't, I'm not so sure, like, Jesus, even if he went in and won, like, a decision, it still would have been exciting. But it's the total package, right? The way he ended the fight, what he said afterwards, it all – it goes hand in hand. So – I think uh, ending a fight in destructive nature like that almost uh, makes what he said afterward even more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now he's two and two, which is a lot better than one and three. One and three, and we're not we're not talking about Chandler ever facing uh, uh, Oliveira or anything like that. And at two and two, look, we're leaving the possibility that if Darius and uh makashev is preserved there might be some sort of an opening just based off this one epic ko so congratulations to michael chandler um the rest of the card let me go through it really fast here um 
to round out the main card, Ovince St. Prue defeated Mauricio Shogun, who was split decision there. Eh, it wasn't really a great fight, honestly. Randy Brown over Chaos Williams. That was a split decision, but I enjoyed that fight. You know, both guys kind of went after each other, and and um, I thought they got it right, even though it was a split. That was the third split just on the main card alone, by the way. If you throw in Esparza and Amanunas, St. Prue versus Hua, and Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams. But those weren't the only splits. There was two other ones. One was Macy Chassant versus Norma Dumont. Chasson won that fight. Uh, Dumont, by the way, was the second fighter that came in over in the, the weight limit in addition to Charles Oliveira. Francisco Trinaldo beat Danny Roberts. Decision there, unanimous. Brandon Royville, great fight against Matt Schnell. Not very often that fights that go one round get fight of the night, but they did. Congrats to Royville, the winner. Um, Hart goes to Matt Schnell, who revealed, it was revealed, I think, by his team that his mother had passed away just a few weeks ago. Lagoy Ivanov defeated Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Decision there. Um, on the undercard, four decisions. This is the early prelims. Start off with Journey Newsom defeated Fernie Garcia. Lupita Godinez, keep an eye on her at Strawweight, defeated Ariane Canalosi. CJ Vergara defeated Clayton Rodriguez. That was a split decision. Tracy Cortez defeated Melissa Gatto. And Andre Fialio defeated Cameron Van Camp. So the bonuses were Royville and Chanel, like I mentioned. For fight of the night performances, Chandler and Fialio. So there you go. Sucks because I thought maybe Brandon could have possibly doubled up fight of the night and one of the bonuses, but um, Fialio's KO was pretty legit to tell you the truth. It's hard to argue against it. Yeah, I thought uh, Godinez's performance was super, super impressive. And um, really, when you think about it, that's, I know I gave it kind of a – as you were going through it, I'm like, all right, maybe not a C plus. I'm going to give it a B minus. It got a little bit of an upgrade. But, you know, like Chasson and Dermot, they, they had a kind of a slow moment, right? Like Hua and um, OSP, they kind of slowed things down. I don't know, man. It was just – it was tough at times. But uh, I will upgrade from D plus to B minus. Yeah. Yeah, if you're basically – Bringing that up just because of going back to Spars and Rose, it's really going to be hard to pardon them because they did it five times over, you know, and they've been in some really, really good fights, both of them, man. Like Carla really earned her shot, and Rose has been outstanding. So how they could let this happen was beyond me, man, but it was god-awful. The lights came out. The lights came out during Hua and, and OSP. And then this fight happens and the lights came out again. I wouldn't be shocked if who on OSP pulled out their lights for this fight as bad as theirs were. Theirs was. But anyhow, look, if anything else pops into your head for UFC 274, feel free to cut me off. Let me just say these results earlier in the weekend. Kayla Harrison defeated Marina Moknantinka. Uh, no, Moknatkina, sorry. Uh, good fight for Harrison. She what? She didn't just run through. Uh, Moknankina, let's just call her Marina. She didn't walk through her, but um, you know, she was very disappointed in her performance. I thought she looked pretty good at times, but you know, there was a couple moments there where this Marina young gal who is at that Sanford MMA was attacking her legs, man. And I was only thinking, I wonder if she maybe pulled Puelas aside and said, Hey, show me that knee bar or something, you know, because that those were some moments where I was like, Hey, check her out, attacking. Attacking Kayla Harrison's knees, and so you know, it was a decent showing for her. I, I was happy for her. Uh, Carlos Leal upset Ray Cooper. Ray Cooper had a disaster of a week. Um, he came in like five or six pounds heavy, so he wasn't even eligible for any points at all. Uh, he still fought, and I'll tell you what, he didn't just wave the white flag, he went out there and at least threw some heat at times. But this Leal guy's no joke. He won unanimous scores. He even had 130-26 props to him. Anthony Pettis looked really, really good. He defeated Miles Price. Mounted triangle first round. Roy McDonald, same thing. Got the early round stoppage against Brett Cooper. Larissa Pacheco, first round stoppage against Zamzagul Faisalanova. Um, other winners, Jaina Fabian, Sadabu C. 
check out the PFL website. There's some of these names we won't remember if I keep going. Uh, later on that day, we had Bellator, Bellator 280 in Paris, France. That crowd was into it. I think going to France is going to be huge. France is a big country that has a lot of great athletes in a lot of sports. So keep keep on the lookout there for some great talent to come out of that country. But that crowd was really, really into it. Unfortunately, their main event was also a little boring. It was a little bit of a rinse and repeat for Brian Bader. Still not anywhere near the most boring fight of the weekend. Not to harp on that one again. You know what I'm you know where I'm headed with that. But Ryan Bader did defend his title. He defeats Chick Congo. Congo could not stop the offensive wrestling of Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader didn't really do too much once he got there, but I guess he did get the job done. Um, and uh, now Congo's in the rear view mirror. And at 45, I don't know that Congo has too many fights left, but I think he can be proud to say that, hey, he was one of the guys that ushered in what I think is going to be um, a country that, like I say, that really, really embraces MMA. Yo Romero defeated Alex Polixi. With one second left in round three, he uh, he finished him with punches. Davi Galon defeated Bre- um, Benjamin Brander. Lorenz Larkin defeated Kyle Stewart. First round stoppage there. Gregory Babine defeated Mike Shipman. First round stoppage there. Um, you can look at the results tab on MMA Junkie if you want to get some of the some of the fights from the uh, prelims. And there you have it. That was kind of the weekend of fights goes. You know, I think if you look at that main event, it's unfortunate that Congo couldn't get the victory in his home country because mm-hmm. the fans were really into it. And as much as Bader was dominating, just any glimmer, you know, if, if Congo got up even for a second, they were going nuts. And yes. and he had his little moments here and there. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't get that. If you look at overall those two cards, you know, there's, there's two veterans that really needed wins, and that was Anthony Pettis and then over there in – and Bellator, Yoel Romero really needed to get things going. And they both got him. So they're back on track. Kayla Harrison, the best way of figuring out whether this was a good night for her or not for me after going back and forth on so many things is I just thought, all right, well, what would Cyborg, what would Nunes, uh, what what would they have done with her opponent? And I think they probably maybe wouldn't have ran through her, but I think they would have really dominated her. Um, so. Like if Kayla wants her name to be up there with the big girls, she's got to perform to that level. And this was just one of those where she's very critical of herself and I think she's going to go back and she's going to see things she needs to work on. doesn't mean she's a bad fighter. It just might mean that uh, if we're, if we're ranking those three after every time after they fight, after what cyborg just did, I think she's at the top. Then I think you go Amanda and then I think you go Kayla. Yeah, I, I I don't want to repeat myself from what I said this weekend, but I think, you know, it works if this audience maybe didn't catch the watch along. Prior to Amanda's fight, the one she lost to Pena, if you would ask me, hey, I got the magic wand of those three, I can put two together right now, I'll make it happen. Who do you want? I would have said, geez, give me Amanda Nunes versus Kayla Harrison, because I've already seen Amanda Nunes versus Cyborg, and it didn't go well for Cyborg, and Kayla's popping, she's coming off her her second title. And Amanda Nunes hasn't lost, you know, in forever. But then Nunes loses to Pena. And now I'm thinking, ooh, so, yeah, look, uh, I'd love to see Kayla sign over at Bellator. Yeah, okay, let's see Kayla versus uh, Cyborg. You know, I was kind of warm to that. Um, Then Cyborg has her amazing fight. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now Cyborg has to be one of the two because she really had a great fight against Arlene Blanco, uh, Blanco. So who do I want to see her against, you know, but now that Kayla dropped her or she didn't lose her fight. She won it, but I'm, I'm more excited right now about if Pena were to fall out of the title fight, I'd love to see Nunez versus Cyborg again. So it's just going to be like a who, what have you done for me lately between those three? They're all top notch. Kayla again, got the W. She got some valuable cage time, like Sean O'Connell said, but um, she just looked mortal, I guess. She's a superhero, you know, and she just kind of looked a little bit more mortal, but still got the job done. Yeah, I agree. But, but nothing wrong with that. Um, Just to finish off, one thing wasn't, a couple things were announced during the broadcast for the UFC. Uh, well, there's three things I want to talk about for sure. Cowboy Cerrone was not able to continue, 
or compete against Joe Lazan. What we're hearing, it was a horrible case of food poisoning. I guess he had some tacos out and didn't go down well. And that's why he didn't fight. It wasn't COVID-related, and it wasn't like a cold or a flu. It was just he was bad, you know. So, okay. I don't remember Cowboy ever being a pussy in this sport. It's unfortunate, though, because a lot of people obviously travel. They want to watch this fight, especially two veterans like that. The UFC's looking at possibly rebooking them in Austin. They're going to go to Austin later this summer, you know. But I was bummed for Joe Lazon. I really feel like this was going to be the last one for Joe Lazon. By the way, Cowboy said... I'm going to do my 49th and 50th fight, and then I'm done. So he's kind of given a clear indication of when he'll be done. I guess 49 would be Lazan versus versus Lazan in Austin, and then the 50th somewhere down the line. Um, two, Daniel Cormier in, is going to be inducted into the UFC's Hall of Fame this year. He's in the 2022 class. He's going to go on the modern wing along with Habib Nurmagomedov. Congratulations to him. They surprised him because they made the announcement during the broadcast, so I thought that was pretty cool. And lastly, uh, they also announced that that during that international fight week, um, Israel Adesanya is going to defend his belt against Jared Cannonier. Goes, you want to comment on any of those? Yeah, I mean, Daniel Cormier, hard to hate on that guy, what he's been able to do. Um, I think he's still even kind of shocking people with his broadcasting skills and and uh, what they do with that weigh-in shows. So funny. So yeah, the guy completely yeah, was he deserves to be there. He he deserves that. And then uh Joe Lazon and and Cowboy Cerrone, I mean, we get to see it again, but those of you who are familiar with how Lazon does things, he travels with a lot of people. A lot of people probably flew in from Boston for that fight and it sucks that they weren't able to see their guy go, especially when you kind of don't really know when Joe's last fight's going to actually be. So it's kind of good to know also with Cowboy that this is going to be it. Um, I think Joe, unless there's a card in Boston, I have to imagine that this could potentially be it for him as well. But uh, that was a fight that I was kind of looking forward to seeing. It wasn't going to really prove anything in the rankings or anything like that. It was just a fun fight that shockingly hasn't happened. Yeah. And so with the news, Volkanovski versus Holloway also being on that fight card, that's a nice one two punch for international fight week those two champions adesanya and volkanovsky are fighting at high levels so i think everyone's gonna be pleased with that right hell yeah yeah that's a good one yeah um look i did want to say one last thing on the way out again thank you to everybody who watched the watch along with us we've been doing this for a long time and it's always a blast but the reason we get a chance to do it is because you all tune in so thank you so much for not only tuning in but the sharing of tweets and posts on facebook uh it goes a long way and again, we're thankful for that. But what I did want to say is you can be a fighter that didn't perform on fight night, but you can also interject yourself in a polite way, still kind of talking a little bit of smack, but it can go a long way. And this is an example. Jessica Andrade said on Twitter, I take advantage. Don't come at her for her grammar. Um, this is in her first language. So she may have used the translator. I don't know. But she says, I take advantage that you didn't block me on Twitter. I want to say that your fight yesterday was <laughs> the worst in strawweight history. Champion of boredom, she, she called her. I can't wait to rip your head off. Congratulations on the boredom belt. But fans of this sport want to see a massacre. I'll do. And then she tagged um, Carla Sparza to that. So the reason I thought this was valuable is because I think a lot of us thought, whoa, with Joanna Jacek owning a win over Carla Sparza and her having this great fight coming up against Zhang Weili, things opened up possibly for Joanna Champion, who still has a lot of supporters out there. But Jessica Andrade did a good job of kind of putting the pressure on those two. Not that their first fight sucked, but if there's some sort of a letdown, Jessica Andrade is ready to roll. And her fights never suck, man. Her fights are good. She's coming off that standing arm triangle. No, I thought it was a brilliant move for her to do that. Just keep keep your name out there. You know, you're definitely proving yourself in the cage, but keep your name out there because there's going to be a big spotlight on uh, Zhang Weili and Joanna Yendrychek, and you don't want to get lost in that shuffle. No doubt. All right, folks, we're going to bounce out of here. Thank you so much, as always, for your support here on MMA Junkie Radio. Um, follow us on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the goes. And the radio show is at MMA Junkie Radio. And again, um, we appreciate your shares and retweets, not just of the watch-alongs, but if you could do that for this show, anytime we can capture a new fan, that's awesome. 
we have a lot of fans that have hung in there with us from even the inception of the show. We're grateful to them. We're grateful to anyone that's even just downloaded one show. So thank you as always for your time. It doesn't go unappreciated. Uh, and lastly, don't forget to catch goes and I on Tuesday mornings, the release of the spinning back click, which is uh, our weekly video franchise where we discuss the latest topics with our colleagues here at MMA junkie. And you can catch that over at youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video, or of course, it's available on the website as well. So either one of those will work, but, but I do encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel because the team works really hard and there's a lot of stuff that you'll see, especially on fight weeks that I think you would really, really love, you know, whether it's the whole pre-fight press conference and then they chop it up to just some of your individual favorite fighters if you don't want to sit through the whole thing or the same with a post-fight press conference along with other video franchises like Legend of Legend the old rankings report that still pops in a few times per year. Um, and just the interviews, the long interviews that we have with the fighters, not just us, but our colleagues as well. But oftentimes you'll just see the video highlights on the recaps. Everything's there for you on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA junkie video. All right. With that, we bid you adieu. And we'll catch you all on Thursday. Go out there as always and be a champion. <laughs>